Hammer Japan, I'm Frank Ling. And from Chicago, Illinois, I'm Charles Lee. And you're listening to the Grok Science Show. That's right, it's a weekly look at the world of science, technology, and their effects on our daily lives. Coming up on today's program, Ms. Molly Birnbaum will join us to discuss the anosmia. So stay tuned for all of this. Plus the Grokatron 5000. And our world famous question of the week. Coming right up. Here. On the Grok's Science Show. show. Well, of all of our senses, the sense of smell may be the most underappreciated, yet the valuable faction extends to some of the most fundamental aspects of our lives, perhaps most importantly its contribution to our sense of taste. Now just imagine being an aspiring chef and losing your sense of smell. Well, our next guest, Ms. Molly Birnbaum, experienced just that. Ms. Birnbaum is a recipient of the Pulitzer Traveling Fellowship in Arts and Culture, whose work has appeared in the likes of the New York Times and Art News Magazine. Her new release, Season to Taste, How I Lost My Sense of Smell and Found My Way, chronicles her experience with anosmia. And uh, Ms. Birnbaum, we want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Thanks so much. Great to be here. Well, certainly our pleasure. And this is really a fascinating sort of memoir you've written here about your experiences uh, losing your sense of smell. I'm wondering if maybe you can uh, set the stage here of just exactly how this happened. Right. Well, I had recently graduated from college. I was obsessed with cooking. I wanted to be a chef. I was working in a restaurant in Boston. But one morning late in August, back in 2005, I went for a jog and I was hit by a car. And in this accident, I I tore the tendons in my left knee, I broke my pelvis, and I fractured my skull. All of those injuries would heal, but what was most devastating to me, I would later learn, is that when I, I fractured my skull, my brain bounced. And with that movement, it severed the olfactory neurons, which run from my nose to my brain, kind of shearing them off like a lawnmower over grass. And so in one moment, I completely lost my sense. So up until this point, as you mentioned, you'd been trying to become a chef and this goal, how did it really affect your ability to do this? Well, I had no idea before the accident how intricately smell and taste were linked. But without my sense of smell, I had my taste buds. So I had salty, sweet, bitter, sour, and umami on my tongue. And I had temperature and texture of the food that I ate, but there was nothing more. I couldn't herbs or spices, any of the nuance, everything that, that made food taste good uh, was gone without my sense of smell. Really, the sense of smell then added texture to the sort of blunt taste that uh, the tongue provided. Yeah, completely. Without my sense of smell, food tasted bland. It tasted like nothing. It was like my world had faded from color to black and white, especially in the kitchen. And so how then did you uh, try and deal with this? Did you seek out experts in the field, try to understand how a smell worked? I did. Well, at first I was just very depressed. I wanted to be a chef, but I couldn't taste, so I knew I couldn't cook. But as time went on, I began to realize how much more smell played a role in not just eating, but other areas of my life, like emotion and memory and sense of place and relationships and sex. And I really became curious, you know, what is this sense that I had never really thought of before 
mean and how do I get the answers to this? So I, I began to seek out experts to get a better understanding of what was going on in my own nose. Covered the gamut of, of different experts, even starting with the famous passage from uh, Proust, Remembrance of Things Past. Yeah, I mean, from literature in the past to scientists contemporary today, I tried to go as far as I, I could. So what was the uh, most telling moment, do you think, in, in the process of trying to f figure out uh, just exactly what was it that uh, smell meant in terms of ver various senses? Well, I mean, I I realized immediately in my own experience uh, how powerful smell was and how mysterious it was because doctors told me when I began to see them right after the accident that I that I had no hope. They didn't know how to cure anosmia, which is, you know, the loss of smell. And then there was nothing I could do but sit and wait. That bothered me, of course. So when I began to go out and try and seek answers, I realized from many of these scientists in the field that smell was a fascinating part of our bodies, but one that's not as well known as our other senses. So there are still many questions still out there as to how the sense of smell works, how we perceive it, how we label it. So I think that going out and beginning to research and simply realizing that there were not answers to all of the questions that I had was very telling to me in terms of how fascinating the sense of smell is. Why do you think it is then that smell gets a little bit of a short shrift then in terms of research in the areas compared to the other senses? Well, I think on one level it's because the sense of smell is so invisible and, and subtle, and it's entirely possible to go through your day-to-day -day existence without smelling and, and survive, where I think it's, it's different with sight and hearing. It's, it's, it's incredibly physically disabling to live without them. But with smell, it's on a much more delicate level, I think, and it, though it does affect many areas of your life, they are ones that you can ignore. So I think that smell has been short-tripted in terms of research because it, it is such a silent, invisible sense. And yet something that's the oldest senses evolutionarily. Oh, for sure. I mean, evolutionarily, we're all attracted to sweet smells, you know, things that tells us food is good. Uh, there's lots of research into how we're attracted to our mates due to genetics, so we produce the healthiest possible babies. I mean, smell is a, a cue that, that has meant a lot in the evolution of, of humans. It's just one that I think is so subconscious that we don't realize it. It's somewhat interesting, though, that humans also seem to have a little bit of an atrophied sense compared with other animals. Yeah, for sure. I mean, we don't use our sense of smell, and we don't have as high a developed sense of smell as, as many other species out there, for sure. Journey sort of took you through all, meeting a lot of very uh, people. Oliver Sacks, of course, uh, as many people know, the noted science writer and, and uh, an olfactory scientist, Stuart Farstein. I wonder if maybe you could talk a little bit about those experiences. Well, it was uh, more than a year after the accident. I was living in New York City, and I was so curious, you know, I was just driven to understand what was going on. I had been reading Oliver Sacks for years, and I decided that he could just give me all the answers because he was so smart and he had done, he had figured out the problems of so many other people that I naively perhaps just decided to write him a letter and I explained my situation and, you know, what had happened and what was going on with my nose. And what was shocking is that he, he wrote back and wanted to meet. So one of my first experiences with contemporary well-known scientists was when I first met Oliver Sacks and we went 
to a lecture given by Stuart Firestein about the sense of smell. Because as it turned out, Oliver Sacks knows so much about writing and science and the aberrations of the human body, but he had never really concentrated on smell. So my interaction with him, with him was much more about how you ask questions about science and the body and health and how do you become inspired towards answering them in a narrative way. And through him, I met Stuart Firestein, who is an olfactory uh, neuroscientist at Columbia, and he really was one of the first people to open my eyes to what's going on on a molecular level with scent and, uh, you know, how large a field of study this actually can be. What did you learn then about the biology of smell? How does it actually occur? Um, well, I learned a lot about, you know, one smell has molecules that travel up the nose are received by the olfactory receptors, which then shoot messages through the neurons to our brain. And what was so interesting that he told me is, you know, there are patterns with each smell that's sent from our nose to our brain, and somehow our brain reads them almost like sheet music, interpreting the wide swath of smells that we encounter on any single day. But it's not really clear how exactly we understand what we're smelling. I mean, we know how individual scent molecules are received and transmitted, but it's not so clear how we make sense of the smells around us, um, which is what I found to be so fascinating. And Stuart, as well as many other scientists, are really looking into, you know, how the brain perceives smell from, a, you know, a top-down process, which I think is a big question and a fascinating one. So the actual perception of the odors is something that's still a little bit uh, mysterious. Yes. Hmm. And talking with Oliver Sacks, was it, he writes very forcefully about deficits in the mental conditions. Yeah, well, I think before I met Dr. Sachs, I was much more interested in expressing how it was for me specifically, but he really helped me to be inspired to write about it on a larger scale and really meet a lot of other people out there in the country, and there are millions who can't smell and try and understand this loss or deficit on a more universal level. And I had my own experiences, but what I didn't realize that I was completely not alone in feelings of, of loss or depression when it comes to not being able to smell. So that was very helpful in terms of taking that next step. What is it most other uh, people who suffer from anosmia really complain um, about in terms of what they feel they've lost? Well, I think most people who have lost their sense of smell first, like me, realize that Food is not enjoyable without a sense of smell. You, many people say they lose their sense of taste, even though it, they don't actually lose their ability to perceive taste on their tongue. But without smell, food is mute and bland, and that you lose your enjoyment around meals. Um, a lot of people are incredibly upset that they can no longer smell the people that they love in their lives. I mean, every person that we know has a smell, and even if you're not thinking about it, consciously when you're around them, it is, you know, a familiar scent. It's one that reminds us of that person that makes us feel close. And without the scent of our husband or our wives or our kids, there is certainly there's a texture in your uh, encounters on a daily basis that that's gone. And I think that's, that's very upsetting, um, as well as memories. I mean, we've all had those experiences in which we encounter a familiar but surprising smell, and it brings us straight back to our childhood. You know, one of those very emotional early memories Bruce writes about 
very eloquently in that iconic scene. But living in a world in which those are just gone, a part of your your memory is gone in many ways. And I think that that is hard over the long term to come to terms with if you don't have a sense of smell. The sense of smell does seem to have a very primal link to a lot of our memories, and it's it's one that's sort of hard to imagine because it's sort of always in the background, yet really links us to a lot of different situations or, or places, and it's kind of a comforting sense, uh, even though we don't realize it. Exactly, and it, it, it hardly ever brings words to mind smell. I mean, there are so few words in the English language that are uh, specifically to describe sense. And I think that ties very into our experience with sense memories. It's usually a, you know, a gut reaction or, you know, a hazy sense of the past uh, rather than being able to actually put words to it, which is why I think it is even that much more powerful. An interesting study I once read about was that manufacturers of laundry detergents invest quite a bit on perfuming their, their detergents because it breeds brand loyalty at that, that kind of gut level of smell. And your own um, book visited a perfumer in the south of France, a flavor company, both interested in these ideas of adding smells and, and, and such to their products. Yeah, I did. I, I was interested in smell on a scientific level and on a, you know, eating level, but I was also very interested in smell on a more commercial level. And I went to perfume school uh, towards the very end of my reporting because, as you'll know, when you read the book, my sense of smell did very slowly return over the course of the last six years. So I, at the end, I went to perfume school when I could smell most things, and uh, really learned about how perfumers are these people that put together popular fragrances from anywhere between 20 and hundreds of raw materials, you know, learn this art of smelling, which was a very eye-opening experience, although not as eye-opening as going to the flavor lab in which I saw how flavor chemists put together the flavors that are added to most of the processed or packaged foods that the majority of Americans eat on a daily basis, which is very fascinating. Uh, as you just mentioned, your sense of smell did eventually slowly begin to recover. Is it known how it recovered? Well, yeah, it, the olfactory neurons, even in the healthy nose, are constantly regrowing and regenerating. In rats, they have new olfactory neurons every 30 days, and in humans, it probably takes a little bit longer, maybe two months, but they're constantly regenerating and regrowing. And so even though my olfactory neurons were severed and died and receded, they had the ability to regrow, and they did. A lot of people who lose their sense of smell, whether from a virus or a head injury or what have you, the regenerating neurons can't connect all the way through, whether due to scar tissue or damage in other parts of the system. But I was lucky, and my olfactory neurons regenerated, regrew, reattached, and, you know, very slowly, scent by scent, it really was one smell at a time. My sense of smell returned over years. Do you feel that your sense of smell is the same as it was before the accident? It's so hard to tell exactly if my smell is the same as it was because I don't really remember what my sense of smell was like before. But smell to, I can smell everything today. I, it's been a very long time since I've encountered something that someone around me can smell that I cannot and the majority of things smell as I remember them to. I had a lot of trouble, especially in the beginning of this experience, 
recognizing and labeling smells as I encountered them on a daily basis unless I was looking exactly at the thing that I was smelling, which made me think for a long time that maybe there was some kind of cognitive deficit and I had to reteach myself how to smell and how to recognize smells, which is one of the reasons why I went to perfume school to train my nose. What is your favorite smell? I would say that my favorite smell is the scent of rosemary, the fresh herb. And I I loved this smell before the accident because I love cooking with herbs and it's one, you know, it's very earthy, deep, deep green scent. Um, But it was also the very first scent that returned to me in this process. So not only do I think it smells great, it has a, you know, very special meaning to me. No doubt you have a greater appreciation for the sense of smell. Uh, if one were to ask you the question of, could give up a sense, which sense would you give up? Um, would you pick olfaction or, or not? That's such a hard question. I've been asked it a lot since I wrote this book. And, you know, I don't know. It, it would be so much harder on a daily basis to exist without my sight or my hearing or, or touch from a day-to-day basis. I would say it would be the best to lose a sense of smell. But after having lost it and knowing how devastating it can be, I don't want to pick any. <laughs> Hopefully you won't have to. And uh, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, this is uh, certainly a great memoir here. And uh, the book, again, is called Season to Taste, How I Lost My Sense of Smell and Found My Way. Uh, Ms. Birnbaum, I want to thank you very much for joining us today on the Grok Science Show. Well, thank you so much. And you were just listening to Ms. Molly Birnbaum discussing the anosmia. This is the Grox Science Show. Coming up in just a few minutes is the Grokatron 5000, so stay tuned. It's time to play the game, the Grokatron 5000. It is our supercomputer, formerly known as Deep Blue. And today, the Grokatron 5000 has chosen the topic, Smells Sweet as a Rose, or Stinks to the High Heavens. So, for the following five individuals, the Grokatron 5000 would like to know if you think they smell sweet as a rose, or if they stink to the high heavens, and a little reason why. Uh, Ms. Birnbaum, ready to play the game? 
I'm ready. All right. Person number one, sweet as a rose, stinks to the high heavens. It's the actor Charlie Sheen. Charlie Sheen. Oh, I'd have to say he stinks to high heavens after all this hoopla in the news. All right. Uh, number two, uh, Tiger Woods. Well, you know, he's a real genius on the golf course, so I'd have to say despite his personal defects, he is, smells sweet as a rose. Uh, number three, uh, it's chef Julia Childs. Julia Childs, sweet as a rose. Just walking into her kitchen, I'm sure it would smell like butter and bread and roasting onions and all sorts of delicious things. Definitely sweet as a rose. Uh, all right, uh, number four, Lady Gaga. Lady Gaga. Well, I'm sure she smells like all sorts of things, especially if she's wearing a meat, raw meat dress. So, I don't know. That dress might have to take her into stinks to high heaven. <laughs> all right. And finally, number five, sweet as rose, stinks to the high heavens. It's uh, the Speaker of the House, John Boehner. Well, you know, I have to give him credit for uh, trying to do some compromise in the last few weeks. So, I think he's got some sweet smelling going on. All right, well, Ms. Burma, I want to thank you very much for sticking around playing the game. And, of course, uh, talking about your book, Season to Taste, How I Lost My Sense of Smell and Found My Way. Thank you so much for your time. Thanks for having me. And that's all for this week's edition of the Grok Science Show. Make sure you tune in next week for more from the world of science and technology. If you'd like to contact us here, you can email us at science at groks.net. For Grok Science, I'm Frank Ling. And I'm Charles Lee. Make sure you also see us on the web at www.grox.net. Have a great afternoon and keep on grokking.